Hi, this is Daniel Williams, host of the MGMA Insights Podcast Network. As you know, burnout, stress, and other mental health-related issues are at all-time highs for healthcare professionals. According to a recent MGMA stat poll, 80% of healthcare leaders said their level of stress or burnout had increased in 2022. Because of this stress-related epidemic, MGMA is offering a new podcast series, Mindful Medicine, where each episode, we talk with experts in the field of psychology, neurology, leadership, and mindfulness to help explain workplace stress and provide tools and resources to combat it. Before we speak with today's guest, let's first hear from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Zoll Data Systems AR Optimization Solutions for Healthcare. The Zoll AR Boost Solution Suite increases revenue from payers and patients in compliance with the No Surprises Act, while reducing front-end workload and freeing up staff for higher-value activities. Visit zolldatacom ARBoost to learn how you can ensure no payments are left on the table. Our guest today is Dr. Jeff Comer. Dr. Comer has spent more than 20 years as an interim and permanent acute and behavioral hospital CEO. The hospitals have ranged from rural critical access hospitals to large urban facilities and have included nonprofit, for-profit, and government-owned models. Dr. Comer, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm always happy to be here. I really enjoy uh, talking with you all, so uh, I appreciate the invitation. You got it. So we're going to be talking about um, a lot of things stress-related uh, mm-hmm. and how that is impacting healthcare workers and yep. the ways we address that. And we're looking at this through the lens of the beginning of the year because people set goals, they set resolutions, they get um, very optimistic about the year, but then things set in. So I just want to, before we get too deep into that, I did want to get just an initial thought from you. Is it a good thing, a bad thing? And I'm talking about from a psychological standpoint to to be optimistic at the beginning of a year. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if you've ever done any research on that or uh, yeah. dealt with that idea about how we have those resolutions and goals. And then how does that, you know, manufacture or kind of uh, build our mindset as we set out for a new year? Yeah, well, being optimistic is always good. Uh, And and I think you and I have talked before in other podcasts that you can be down, you can be depressed, you can be in a bad mood. But if you put a smile on your face, there's a ton of research. You have to look at research. You you know it yourself. When you put a smile on your face and walk down the hallway, you know, to your physician practice or, or wherever you work, you feel better immediately. Everybody else sees that smile. They engage with you. They feed on you. You feed on them. It makes you feel better. makes them feel better. So always being optimistic, of course, is, is a very, very good thing. And uh, it, it can help you when you're really not feeling so optimistic. I always like to tell people with um, 
the new year. Um, I, I hate the phrase or, or term new year resolution because mm-hmm. it's almost like it's become equated with failure. Like we, we kid about it. Like we're going to start, you know, doing this this year for our new year's resolution. And then, you know, we kind of kid, but by February, I won't be doing it anymore. So I, I like to even kind of steer away from that, that phrase. And maybe it's just semantics, but uh, to me, it just kind of sets you up for, for that expectation that, yeah, I'm going to set this great goal. And if I don't hit it, it's okay. Cause it was just a new year's resolution. So what I like to tell people is figure out what is a realistic goal. And, and, and you want it to be, um, very compelling to you. You want it to be very passionate to you, something that really moves you. So you need to look at this goal as being um, driven by your prefrontal cortex, meaning that it's very logical, it's very um, well thought, well planned, but you also want the limbic system involved. You wanna get some emotions into it, that kind of visceral response, something that that moves you and, and makes you passionate. and. You know, I, I guess a good example, a lot of people say, you know, I want to I want to lose weight. So I'm going to start working out to me losing weight. I mean, we I mean, I want to lose weight. A lot of us want to lose weight, but that's not a really passionate, emotional goal. It doesn't drive you a whole lot. And a lot of times people get burned out with that and they, mm-hmm. they stop they quit working out or they go back to their old diet or, or, or their old lifestyle, whatever it happens to be. But if you tell yourself, I want to feel good, I want to feel good after I work out. It may take you a year to lose the weight you want to lose, but you can feel good after that very first workout that gets your emotions involved, that gets your endorphins flowing, that gets your neurotransmitters moving. It brings about that optimistic feeling that you were talking about. So, you know, to me, getting the the logical thing, yep, I want to lose weight. I want to get, you know, better cardiovascular health. That all makes sense mentally, all makes sense logically. But I want to feel good. I want to be energized so I can go out and play with my kids. I can play, you know, you can take your dog out when it's too cold out and, and uh, you know, try to be happy about it. You can um, have all those experiences that, that you need energy for. And so, again, I think if you can tie in what's the logical goal with what's the emotional goal driving it, um, that can really help you. The other thing is to not bite off more than you can chew. I think a lot of times with people's goals, they say, hey, I want to lose you know, 50 pounds. And maybe that's not so realistic. Maybe it is, maybe it's not, but you can get overwhelmed with that because to lose 50 pounds, it may take a year. But if you say, Hey, you know, I just want to trim down and maybe drop five pounds. You can do that in a few weeks with, you know, good diet, good nutrition and good sleep, all of those, you know, self-care factors. So, so, you know, make the goal manageable and make it realistic, make it something that's passionate, that drives you um, and don't get overwhelmed by it. Don't, don't get derailed because it's just too much. So I think, all of those different factors to me are really important when you're looking at the, 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 the new year and kind of the mindset you want to bring. Okay. Well, Dr. Comer, thanks so much for sharing that information with us. So one of the things I want to go back into then is telling a little bit more about your story. We've had you on as a guest many times. We've had you talk about addressing stress management and addressing burnout in a medical practice. I don't know that we've ever gone into details on how you got into this field in the first place, how you developed an interest and a passion uh, in researching this field. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny in high school, if you would have told me I'm going to be a physician practice executive, go into healthcare, uh, I would have said you're crazy because that's what my father did. And I did not want to do what my dad did. I saw the the long hours. I saw the stress. I saw 
you know, him dealing with difficult doctors and, you know, a challenging board or whatever the, you know, the issue happened to be. So I, I that was like the last thing I wanted to do. And it's funny, I started out as a psychology major. I, I just kind of always gravitated towards psychology. And um, like everybody else, you know, in undergrad school, I took intro to psychology. And in that course, there was a, you know, a chapter or two on organizational behavior. And I became really interested in that. And so I started talking to dad and he said, well, you know, if you're interested in that, I can't think of anything more complicated than healthcare settings, you know, from a leadership standpoint. And it just made sense to me. So I said, well, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that then. So I kind of followed in his footsteps. So I, I went and I got the, you know, the master's like everybody gets, and I got into the real world and started running some smaller practices and then larger practices, hospitals, you know, ambulatory surgery centers, everything else. And I realized that I was still using my psychology degree a lot more than the masters of business. And I thought, you know, this is all about people. That's really what leaders do is deal with people. It's not as much technical at that point. It's more the relationships and management. And so I, I had kind of that whole track of, of really loving the psychology and wanting to understand how organizations worked and, and how to work with people more effectively. And kind of simultaneously, I had had, um, this is one experience uh, I, I've talked about before, actually, at, at the um, conference where I speak for MGMA. I had one event that really changed my whole way of looking at stress, and it was a medical executive committee meeting. Uh, this was at the time I was running a hospital, and we also had some large physician practices that I oversaw. And we had our medical executive committee meeting. And every month we had that meeting. These were great doctors. Many of them were friends of mine. And we had one doctor come in and he gave this presentation on burnout for physicians. And he went over all these horrible statistics and how burned out physicians were and how tired they were and how stressed they were. And at the end, I was just trying to be funny. I said, you know, guys, you know, does anybody care about hospital administrators? You know, we're burned out and stressed too. And they like just wanted to attack me. I mean, it was like this doctor is like jumping over the table and they had like no sympathy for me. And basically they were saying, well, you know, you, you leaders, you just sit in your office and you're out of here at three every day and you play golf and you do this and you do that. And it like really infuriated me. Like, I mean, I was really upset after this meeting. And so I started thinking, well, all this research is out there for clinicians, for doctors, frontline caregivers, nurses. And so I started researching and I could not find anything on burnout for leaders in healthcare and stress for leaders and how we could help, you know, one another to, to learn to deal with these difficult jobs. And I started then my father and watching, you know, the toll that stress took on him throughout his career. He ended up developing multiple cancers. He had all kinds of health issues. Uh, and, and no, he wouldn't mind me saying this, but, you know, he, he started drinking too much. Retirement was really difficult for him. And again, he had more health issues and it just took a toll on him. And I saw that. I saw my interest in psychology and I saw this one meeting with this group of doctors that just like got me so worked up and frazzled. And I thought, I want to go back and pursue my doctorate and I'm going to do my research on stress management, specifically burnout and how to help leaders. And so that all of those factors are really what came together to, to um, lead me to where I am today. And so I, I am still a, a sitting CEO I, you know, over hospitals, over physician practices. I still am very active in research. Uh, I try to speak as much as I can, webinars in person. Uh, I do, uh, uh, you know, a lot of writing on it. And I don't get paid for any of this stuff. I just enjoy it. And I don't want people to have the same challenges that my father had. I want people to, to be able to balance their life and their work and their home and, and find 
uh, ways that are research driven to improve stress and, and to help you do your job better, but also to be happier as a person. So it's a really, really long answer to a very simple <laughs> question, but there are all these factors that kind of came together and just sort of led me this way. And um, I, I've just been the happiest guy ever since I, I pursued the doctorate. I love talking about this stuff. I, um, it, it's just so fun when I'm in front of people and, and you just see like light bulbs come on and, and you can see like tension release from people. So uh, it's just been something I'm very passionate about and, and just enjoy doing. So again, uh, hopefully that answers your question. It's a, it's a long answer, but there was a lot of factors involved in it. <laughs> uh, Dr. Comer, you, we, we always get to the answer there. We don't know how we get there sometimes, but we always get there. I, um, I knew I would get there eventually. <laughs> you were telling me offline that you had uh, just started a new role, uh, that it's always uh, there can be potential for stress when you start it, when a person starts a new job. You're experiencing that right now. Talk about that, because many of our listeners, they're moving into new roles they're moving into new jobs. They may be even moving to a different city or a different state to start a new job in healthcare. What's some of the best practices then to get a handle on that kind of stress in, in doing a new kind of a life-changing uh, role, uh, so to speak? Yes. And, and it, it, you know, Daniel, it's huge. Like you said, um, for me, it did involve, you know, a move across the country. My, my wife and I, you know, packed up and moved. We packed up the dogs to move. And, um, you know, you don't really, when you start the job, you know, they say, yeah, be here and get ready to go in two weeks. When you start the job at that point, you don't really get a lot of sympathy or understanding that you're still moving. You're unpacking. You've got, you know, new insurance you have to sign up for new deductibles to meet. You've got to find, you know, the grocery stores, you've got to get all your electric and, and cable or whatever set up. There's just so many things involved with moving, selling a home, buying a home, going out to the real estate agent. But yet at the same time, you're thrown into that job and you're new. And, you know, if you're a new uh, physician practice executive, you have to start performing immediately. The, the old days of having this honeymoon period for several months are just long gone. And I think, you know, these practices and in and, and whatever healthcare setting you're in, you know, whether it's hospitals or ASCs, but, but, but obviously we're focused on physician practices. They're struggling. They're, they're challenged. I mean, financially, they're struggling. We can't find employees. We have you know, financial pressures from reimbursement. We have all these different things that your listeners are well aware of and immersed in or, or, or meshed in. And um, you have to hit the ground running really quickly. And so I, I think the advice I, I give to people, and it, it, I hate to say it's almost do as I say, not as I do, but, but set those realistic goals. You can't fix everything overnight. You can't solve the problems. A lot of times we start a new job, we want to prove ourselves. We want to be accepted. We want whether it's our, you know, our board or our, our main, you know, person, whoever we report to, we want them to, to really have that confidence immediately in us. And, and it just takes time to do all of that. So I think give yourself a little bit of time. Obviously, you've got to perform. You've got to hit your objectives and goals. Uh, but I think make sure those goals are reasonable. They're doable. Try to avoid getting overwhelmed. Break the, the overwhelming aspect of these jobs into smaller chunks, if you will, that you can manage more easily. And I think all of those things really do help a lot. And then I think it's also important early on uh, to, to set some boundaries in the work life. I, I know, you know, for me, I'll go to a new, or, new organization and I'll start showing up at seven in the morning and I'll stay till seven or eight at nine. I do rounds throughout the day and I'm trying to get to know everybody, meet them, let them see me, you know, me, you know, learn what's going on. And the problem is you can't keep that up forever. You burn yourself out. So I think one thing is, 
you know, hit the ground running, but, but at a moderate pace. It, it, I think look at it as more of a, it's not a sprint and it's not a marathon. It, it's kind of like a 10K. You, you want to, you know, pace yourself moving, but not, you know, run too fast and also not too slow. It's just finding that, that balance point. And I think all of those things are, are really important for you to, to think about before you start that new job and, and kind of have your plan in place. Because once you get there, everybody's pulling at your time and, and everything's hitting you really quickly. But I think if you've done a little, little planning in advance to balance things, to set boundaries, uh, I think that can really go a long way to helping you. And then, of course, I know everybody gets tired of hearing this, but, um, you know, continue taking care of yourself, continue to, you know, eat your normal diet, you know, get your workouts, your exercise in, you know, have that time with your spouse, with your kids, you know, don't don't compromise and, and give those things up because that that doesn't help you long term either. So I think it's just a lot of these factors that you bring them together and they can really help you to to adapt and to adjust uh, as quickly as possible. All right. Well, Dr. Comer, I want to thank you again so much for joining us um, on the Mindful Medicine podcast. It's always great to have you on here. I think it's really going to set the tone for this beginning of the year because uh, people do set those goals. I wanted to ask you one last question before we bid you adieu here, but um, how do we build in that resilience so and I know you've seen this where someone will set those goals that you would use the example of, okay, I'm going to join that gym. I'm going to lose that weight, whatever it might be. Then you get three to four weeks or so into the year and you're not seeing the results or you've already quit going to the gym or you fill in the blank. How do you have that mindset? What are some tools you can uh, apply so you don't then turn that optimism into a frown, you know, into pessimism, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. We all start those, those initiatives of energy and we're enthusiastic, we're excited. And I think the key is to, to balance it. I've seen so many people, they show up at the gym January one and they want to work out like Arnold Schwarzenegger, or they want to run a marathon or they want to, you know, work out four hours a day and then starve themselves Nobody can keep that up. Arnold Schwarzenegger can't keep it. You burn yourself out. So the key is to balance, set those realistic goals, set manageable um, timeframes, realistic timeframes, and celebrate the small successes. I mean, if, if weight loss is really your goal, maybe in the first week you've lost a pound and a half. Now you're trying to lose 50 pounds. So if you think about the 50 and you get overwhelmed, you forget to celebrate the one and a half pound. But again, the, the most important thing is, is find ways to create enjoyment in whatever you're trying to do, whatever your goal is, whatever your task is. I mean, maybe it's to spend more time with your kids, more time with your significant other. Find fun things that you and your kids like to do together, that you and your spouse like to do together. Again, get that emotional side tied into it. The logical side typically um, kind of fizzles out sooner, but the emotional side can keep that drive and that passion and that energy going longer. So balancing realistic goals, you know, measurable, um, realistic timeframes, and then getting that energy and that passion tied into it. All of those things can really help you be successful long-term. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we will talk to you again soon. My pleasure as always. Thank you, Daniel. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Mindful Medicine. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Jeff Comer. We also want to thank Soul Data Systems for sponsoring this week's show. 
the Zoll AR Boost Solution Suite increases revenue from payers and patients in compliance with the No Surprises Act, while reducing front-end workload and freeing up staff for higher value activities. Visit zolldata.com slash ARBoost to learn how you can ensure no payments are left on the table. And if you'd like to receive additional tools and resources related to workplace stress management, email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Thanks again for taking time to listen to MGMA's Mindful Medicine.